right, guys, welcome back to episode 30 of the Three Bagger Podcast. I am Evan, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Frieri. Nick, how are you feeling tonight? I am doing well, Evan. You know, it's, it's not a Three Bagger Podcast episode if there isn't a lengthy gap between the two episodes. So I am glad to be back here. It's been a couple months, but a lot's gone down in baseball, and I'm excited to talk with you about it. Definitely. We have been slacking a bit or more so on my end. I've I've been consumed by my work and um, trying to find work. So it's it's definitely been a struggle for me. And um, I'm happy that, you know, I've, I've got some time to hop on here and talk some baseball with you, Nick. So without further ado, let's uh, kind of get right into it here. So we are going to go back to last season. Uh, first of all, the team we do not speak of that stinks and we hate um ended up winning the world series so there's nothing to talk about there we'll just leave it at that we're going to go back to the predictions uh that we had for the over unders on the DraftKings win and loss uh predictions for each team so let's we kind of condensed this before the pod and pretty much chose how many or not chose but we went over how many uh, Nick and I each got for each league. So Nick, I'll have you kind of uh, explain and go over that. Yeah, definitely here, Evan. Biggest advice from us, uh, don't trust us with your money because you would have lost money betting with us. So definitely. So going over that, I got four uh, win totals right for the AL, four out of a possible 15. So you can you can do the quick math on that. It's not great. Wait, wait, wait. Exactly. Exactly. Evan did do better, though. I'll give you credit here, Evan. You, you did a little bit better. You got six here in the AL. Hey, you the NL. We actually did. We both did better. I got six. So not great, but not terrible. And you actually got over half of them right. You got eight. At, you got eight out of 15 here. So that's about what normally most people would do. So good job on there. Uh, we'll do it again next year. Hopefully, we can do a little better. I know there's definitely a lot of surprise teams in there, especially with teams like the Orioles and the Guardians. And I was a little higher on the Brewers than um, other people were, and I was off on that one. Same thing with the Giants. So excited for uh, win totals next year, but hopefully we can do a lot better next year than we did this year, Evan. Yeah, like you said, there were a lot of surprise teams. Like, we both missed on the Orioles. We both missed on the Guardians. It, it was just really tough uh, especially when we did the predictions, you know, nobody ever thought the guardians with their payroll were going to, you know, win like 90, I think it was 90 plus games. So definitely tough. But like you said, we did improve between the AL and NL. So, you know, improvement, we'll take it. So let's kind of move on here. Uh, we're going to go to the all MLB team. So Nick, I'm going to kind of hand it over to you if you want to go over kind of who made the team and then we can kind of talk about it and analyze it a little bit. Yeah, we'll go over all MLB team. What they did is finally they took like one player per position, obviously three outfielders. They took five starters and two relievers. They have a first team and a second team, kind of what you see in the NBA. Interesting they didn't do like an all-AL or an all-NL. They actually combined both leagues, so it's kind of interesting. Over the first team here, we got JT Riomoto as a catcher, Paul Goldschmidt first base, Jose Altuve second, Trey Turner short, Manny Machado third base, Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, and Mike Trout are your outfield. Jordan Alvarez is your DH. And for your starting pitchers, we got Sandy Alcantara, Shelly Otani, Justin Verlander. We got uh, Framer Valdez from the Houston Astros. And then we have Alec Mandela from the Toronto Blue Jays. And for your relievers, we got uh, Edwin Diaz and Emmanuel Classe. Um, any thoughts on the first team here? Any name surprise you or anybody you want to highlight from this list? 
Yeah, so just looking at it, it's kind of interesting how dominant that the American League is on the arms. I mean, if you look at that, there's only two pitchers out of the seven, right? There's five starters, or sorry, eight. Six of the eight are from the AL. So that just kind of shows you like how dominant the AL was with, you know, just the teams and their pitching and ultimately probably why the AL did win the World Series. Just, you know, the and two of those guys are, yeah, two of those guys were on the World Series winning team. So that, that kind of jumps out to me. I don't really think anything else is too surprising. Paul Goldschmidt was a little bit surprising. I don't really think anybody expected him to be an MVP. I know we all knew that he was, you know, a very, very good first baseman, for, but for him to be the best first baseman in the entire league this year, I think that's a little surprising. Yeah, definitely. I know he, he helped you carry to a fantasy win this year. Also something that happened back in September. Evan did beat me in the final of our, of our dynasty fan base league. So I think that's, is that three, four in a row now for you, Evan? That, that's four in a row. Dating back to our old league, we, we've had, we have two different leagues. This was the first year of the new one, but this was the fourth year in a row that I have taken the Dynasty Baseball crown. I don't really know exactly how I do it. It's a lot of uh, luck as well as uh, some trading. So yeah, I'm going to look to, you know, five Pete after that. I don't think who, I don't think there's really any team that's five Pete. So we're, we're going to. Unless you can correct me on that, Nick, but or if anybody else listening wants to, you know, look that up and make fun of me for, you know, not researching, we we could do that too. So we'll, I mean, we'll see. The only thing, the only thing I think of is like the Celtics in the '60s, but obviously, you know, it was like nine in a row, and you know, there's questions about who they were playing and the quality. <laughs> but I, overall, pretty impressive, pretty impressive, pretty impressive. With you. We'll go now into the uh, the second team here. Second team, we got Will Smith as a catcher, Freddie Freeman as the first baseman, and then we got a Cleveland star, Andre Jimenez, as the second baseman, Frisco Lindor, shortstop, uh, Noah Arenado, third base. Then we have Julio Rodriguez, Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Tucker in the outfield, Shoyo Tani as the DH, making it twice. It's kind of funny there. Julio Reyes as the uh, Dodgers pitcher, uh, Dylan Cease, uh, Max Freed, Aaron Noah, Max Serger is your rotation. Then we have... Uh, Ryan Hesley and Ryan Presley as your two relief pitchers. So that's a um, tongue twister there. I know. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know I did not read these before, so there was no prep just me trying to run down. I was like, <laughs> it, it's kind of interesting what they did there with the two relief pitchers. But uh, uh, any notes here, Evan? I, I thought that show, hey, made it here twice. Ryan Hesley and Ryan Presley. That that's that's a fun one. <laughs> I'll give you that one. Um, yeah, I mean, it is really interesting that Otani is making you know first and second team one through pitching, one through hitting. That's very, very, very impressive. I mean, obviously the guy's generational and not even generational. He, he's more than that. Like, I mean, we're not going to really see this again in our lifetime, in my opinion. Um, so incredible job by Otani. I'm really hoping to see some uh, Angels trading him and maybe with trout this year that would be kind of interesting to to see where how that would shake up a pennant race so another another thing i'm looking at is ryan helsley sorry it's actually not helsley it is helsley thank you thank you i i i appreciate (laughs) i I uh, caught you and myself (laughs) there we go so helsley i mean he was a decent reliever for the cardinals but i don't think anybody expected him to really be this good but he really took that step he's pumping in like 101 mile hour fastballs and he was just nasty um at the back end for the cardinals there that was also another big component to my fantasy success yeah. uh, is snagging him off waivers and then the only other surprise i would see here is andres jimenez i think that's really cool with him being up at second base right next to francisco lindor i mean those guys were traded for each other and i don't really know if 
Cleveland was expecting Jimenez to be pretty much as good as Lindor was when they traded him because Jimenez had kind of failed with the Mets at the major league level. And he was just kind of a throw in, in my opinion, not a throw in, but like him and Rosario kind of highlighted that package, but it's just cool to see Cleveland, you know, get some uh, return there for Lindor. All right. So we are going to move on from the all MLB team. And we're going to kind of talk about free agency here as we're leaving, you know, last season behind and forgetting, you know, all the horrible things that, transpired in the playoffs yeah i i'm scarred after the astros beat the yankees yeah you know yet again they're just there's there's no debating it they completely own new york like houston owns new york like they look up at them and say dad um yeah it's it's pretty embarrassing so we're gonna forget about all that and forget that houston won again and and nick you can kind of back me up not back me up but like them winning again kind of validates their their skill and how good they are. And everyone, you know, was kind of saying, oh, Houston can't win a real World Series. And uh, after they did that this year, I think that kind of puts all the stuff to rest. It doesn't change that they cheated, yeah. but it puts, you know, the should they have won to rest. It's the fact that they did it and they did despite losing talent. That's kind of the main thing. Look, look, they, they lost Springer. They lost Correa, but they still bring guys up. This is the system they have, the prospects. They were still able to replicate it. It may be even better than they were when they won their first World Series. So it just kind of impressed me, like, how well of an organization that they're still able to kind of bring up. Like, look at Jeremy Pena. Was able to re- replace Correa. That's Megan incredible. Megan Pargu, he's was even better than Correa. So, their ability, they just lost Verlander. He's, he was aging, but Verlander's still a good pitcher they lost. But I still expect them to win this division. The Mariners are better. Texas is, is going to try to spend their way up into being competitive in that division. And I zero trust for the Angels. So, But I still expect them to win this division. And they very likely going to be in the same spot what they were last year, kind of kind of going to get in again to the AL championship game. And they could well, well might as well see, see the pinstripes again there, Evan. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they they lost Verlander. I will we'll get into that in a second here. But I mean, the emergence of Valdez and how dominant was Framber Valdez in that World yeah. Series. I mean, I watched most of those games and paid attention to a lot of it. I mean, the emergence of Valdez, the emergence of Christian Javier, like their their talent coming up from the system. Like you said, Jeremy Pena won World Series MVP. I mean, he's a rookie and he's already got a World Series MVP trophy. The like you said, you lose Correa, you lose guys like Verlander, but they find a way to replace them and kind of fill those voids with productive players. And it, that's just what a winning organization does. So I, I think this is the only time you will ever hear Nick and I kind of praising the Astros, but I mean, props to them. They, they definitely earned their world series and nobody can really debate that this year. 2017 is a different story, but we, we definitely can, you know, come and admit that they, they definitely earned it this year. So congratulations sincerely to, Houston, you guys were phenomenal this year, um, and I also hate you. So, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's kind of move on to uh, free agent deals here. So, big class this year, very big class, a lot of big arms, a lot of big and expensive free agents. So, let's kind of just run through the list here. Uh, the biggest free agents on the board. I know some of these guys have signed, and we'll go into those contracts as well. Uh, but 
you know, kind of top five, 10 here, judge Trey Turner, Jake DeGrom, Edwin Diaz, Wilson Contreras, Justin Verlander, Taiwan Walker, and Jamison Tyone, Jose Abreu. Those are, you know, big impact guys and big money guys. So let's kind of go down the list here. Uh, Nick, we'll save the first one because I'll talk about the first one. And if you want to, you know, skip to one of the other ones and kind of talk about that first. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit more. I'll talk a little bit about some of the Mets and some of the moves that came in and some of them that left. So uh, the re-signed Diaz, great move for them. He's, we, we heard the trumpets uh, all season last year. He is an elite <laughs> closer. You know, when you hear that noise, fear is to be had. And I think we are not coming back, but good for him. He got the bag. Five-year deal, going to get $20 million per year, which is for a closer is a lot, but he's, a, a, lot good, of money. he's, he's a good player. Uh, one of the players they did lose, a kind of interesting move. The Rangers said, you know what? We threw around money last year. Let's do it again. Why it not? Work. It, it didn't work last year, but let's do Maybe it again. Maybe it'll work this year. <laughs> Maybe it'll work. So they gave a bunch of money to Jake DeGrom. He's going to get $37 million a year for five years. He's 34 years old and has... And he's injury prone. Very, very injury prone. So it's, it's an interesting deal. I mean, if you can get the first two or three years out of it. He obviously, when he plays, there is kind of – you can make the argument there is no more dominant pitcher than him, but the problem is he does not play all the time. Yeah, so when, when he pitches ends, 15 innings, it's tough. I mean, he's the most dominant pitcher, but he pitches 15 innings, you know? Yeah. So that move was definitely interesting. I know uh, they recently lost another pitcher here. Uh, uh, Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker uh, went to the one of their big rivals here, the Phillies. Uh, he actually got a lot of money, I know. Tywin Rocker had a pretty interesting career when when he came up in the Mariners. We all thought he'd be the next big prospect. Kind of didn't really do much, kind of simmered around, but kind of had a nice little resurgence here in the last couple of years, bounced around a bit. We kind of find out someone was our third and fourth pitcher here with the Mets, and now he's going to be the fourth, third and fourth pitcher here for the Phillies. So we'll be seeing how that one plays out here for them. Yeah, I mean, the Phillies are making some really good signings here. Uh, yeah. Walker, like you said, a good like three, four pitcher, you know, had resurgence. Um, pitched pretty well for the Mets over the last couple of years. And uh, the Phillies' biggest problems were their bullpen and who is going to pitch after Nola and Zach Wheeler. So, you you know, you give the ball to a guy like Walker for a, th- a three in the rotation, that's that's a good step. And I don't think the Phillies are done either. Um, so we'll kind of stay on that Phillies train uh, and talk about Trey Turner. I mean, he signed an 11-year contract. The Phillies are out for blood after losing that World Series. They're, they already have been all in. They're serious. Get Walker. They signed Trey Turner. They're going to reunite Trey Turner and Bryce Harper from their old national days. Yeah. It's just crazy to me that Turner so easily flipped to Philly after playing for Washington for so long. But, I, I mean, Philly's just getting more dangerous. I mean, they have the lineup that was extremely dangerous last year in the postseason. We saw it. They were the last seed and they ended up making it, you know, two games from winning the world series. And now you had a guy like Trey Turner, who's going to hit over 300 and steal over 30 bases a year uh, and give you some pop and home runs and, you know, top middle of that order coupled with, you know, Harper, Schwarber, Castellanos, Bohm, Brayson Stott's only going to get better. JT real Muto. So that's going to be a really scary team, especially if they beef up on pitching a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Just looking at the spending here, they're going to be, they're likely not going to be a top five payroll team. I think going in, going into this, they were at like 140. Now they're going to balloon close to like 180 now with with all these players they expect now for total team payroll. Uh, it won't be quite as much as the Yankees or the Mets, but it's it's going to be up there. They are definitely a big market team and they're going to show it here with kind of the, 
the amount of money that I paid out. I figure 11 years, a guy who's 29, so the 11th year he's going to be 41. Wow. I don't know if he'll make it all that way, but you can definitely – Trey Turner is definitely a guy who's going to be productive, I see, at least for the next three or four years. Yeah, I feel like he could age well. He's he fast can, and has yeah. contact skills, so I feel like he'll he'll be able to age pretty well, but you're right, 41 is pretty old. One thing we forgot about here, talking about the Mets as well, is they did sign Justin Verlander. They did. They did. They, they, they actually signed two pitchers. They got Verlander, they got Kitana. So kind of, they're both going up. Kind of like that old kind of, you know, 2015 Mets World Series rotation, that kind of interesting relation where they had, you know, they had the throw on the roster, the couple other, oh, Matt Harvey on the roster. So kind of remember, remember all those starting pitchers, like, oh, this is the future. This, this is the Mets rotation that's going to carry in for 10 years maybe to a World Series that it didn't, and most of the guys left even before DeGrom. But I think between Scherzer and Verlander now, you're, I think those guys are, are a median age of like 39, and they're making about $43 million each. So together they're making $80 million, which is, I think it's more than currently a couple different teams' entire payroll, at least. I think it's more than like 12 teams' payroll tied into two pitchers who are over the age of 38 which is kind of crazy if you think about it, but it's tough to hang your hat on because, you know, both of guys could, both of those guys could very easily go down with injuries. And then, you know, you got $43 million of sunken money. That's just kind of sitting there in your roster. So definitely risky for the Mets, but I mean, we've looked at them the past couple of years with their big spending and it's not really a surprise to me. They're, they're going for it. They had to replace DeGrom and Verlander's been the guy. So uh, it's also interesting that Verlander and Scherzer, pitched together for the Tigers how many years ago I mean a decade that ago. was a really good roster yeah a decade yeah. ago with uh Cabrera and you know Victor Martinez like those trust me trust me I, I remember I remember those teams from, from when the A's was getting were getting eliminated by then in in, in the mid mid 2012 <laughs> exactly. so I, I remember yes. those teams so it's like yes when you see, when you see really under game five you're like what, what are we gonna what, what are yeah. we gonna do but yeah these guys I know Gerger had some injuries in the past. Verlander does have some injuries in the past, but when these guys, you guys are still doing it at elite level at their age, it's 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 Tom Brady like. Exactly. So we're gonna kind of move uh, down this list a little bit, a little bit more too. I'm gonna kind of wrap up the Phillies portion of this. So they did also lose an arm this offseason. Uh, Zach Eflin, he went to the Rays. In my opinion, that was a very curious contract for the Rays because. You know how cost conscious the Rays are, and while they're not giving him a, him an absurd amount of money, they're also giving him a good amount of like for the Rays. That's a lot of money, and I feel like they could allocate that better as opposed to Eflin. I mean, I know he's he's definitely a decent pitcher, and especially with the Rays, I, I guess they could probably make him better. But I mean, for the Rays, like thirteen mil is a lot of money. It definitely is considering their payroll going into this was thirty was like 31 or something like he's already the highest player on yeah. that team like it's almost oh, half their payroll but it's basically after like like the other guys making money on the team right now are are, are margot and baz now and they're making like seven and five million dollars so it's it's not it's not a lot right there so yeah um, i mean if you look at his stats last year his, his year i did balloon above four uh pi has been good in the past so hopefully he can get back to the level especially for the raise in a very competitive al east so it is yeah. it is interesting move them seeing them spending money i, I don't know historically if it's like one of their higher signed free agencies in the past, but it's definitely interesting to say him. It's not, I wouldn't say it's a typical raise move. Usually they try to look for guys who are kind of under the $10 million range, like on a one-year deal. So it's actually a three-year deal, which I actually find interesting. These raise don't usually go into kind of multi-year deals, but I find pretty interesting. 
And you're right. It's very curious, too, because, like, I feel like Eflin is the kind of guy they go for, but they don't pay him. Like, I feel like Eflin should only command, like, three to, like, seven mil. Like, he's not that good of a pitcher to be making 13. And I honestly didn't even know that that was half their payroll. I mean, you would think a lot better guys like, you know, Franco and all them would be making half the payroll. But no, it's Zach Eflin. I'm not throwing shots at Zach Eflin, but just... To be half of a team's payroll, I feel like you have to be a little bit more than what he actually is. But we'll we'll see how it kind of rolls out for them here uh, this season with the Rays. So I will wrap up some of the bigger names on this list just because they are both um, on and not on my favorite team. Um, we'll start here with Jamison Tyone. He got the bag Wild. with the Chicago Cubs. I, I mean, I love Jamison Tyone. He was a great guy. He was a great member to have on the Yankees. Was he the best pitcher? Probably not. He did show flashes of being very good, but he was also very inconsistent and injured a little bit too. So I'm surprised the Cubs gave him that much money. I'm sure he's going to go to Chicago and be pretty decent, but for what was it 60 million dollars right i think it was like a five-year 60 million dollar deal something like that so that's that's a good amount of money to spend on him and i mean like i said he he was a really great guy so i kind of i hope it works out for him but in my opinion that contract might be a little bit too much Uh, and then we'll move on to the um, highlight of the off season here so aaron judge was a free agent and there was big talk about him leaving new york and him having a strained relationship with New York after they offered him a $213 million contract for seven years. And he said, nah, I'm good. I'm going to prove you wrong. And went and had probably one of the greatest seasons you will ever see for an American League hitter and won the MVP. And I believe that earned him more than like. So they offered him 213 and he signed a nine-year $360 million deal back with the New York Yankees. And I think that netted him like 150 million-ish more dollars than it would have if he didn't bet on himself and signed that contract last year during spring training. So as a Yankee fan, obviously we're extremely happy to have Judge back. I think I speak for most of uh, Yankee fans around. Extremely happy to have him back. He will inevitably be named the next captain of the team and carry on that legacy from Derek Jeter. I'm I'm very much looking forward to watching Aaron Judge play nine more years in the Yankee uniform. Nick, I'll kind of kick it over to you. There were some interesting storylines to this signing as well. Uh, there definitely was because there was a period of time where I actually thought Aaron Judge might be joining me out here in the Bay for a good thirty seconds. It, it was it was a very good seconds. It was a good, very good. For, first off, first off, I wasn't sure because it was some guy named Arson Judge who was going to join him. Like it's like all right, just like does Aaron Judge have a brother I don't know about? But. <laughs> So then I was like, okay, Aaron joins the Giants. All right, cool. Let me go to the Giants website. Let me go buy some tickets real quick so I can have a little nice little bank of tickets so I can make some money. But like, then like three seconds later, he's like, hold up. He's not coming. Like, let me see. Then I see you tweet. And I'm like, oh, okay. This is all coming together. John Heyman needs to lose his job. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you cannot go out there and give out false information that badly. Not only, because like, okay, I the spelling thing, he does that all the time where we're, like we were used to that point to get the spelling one, delete one tweet, then delete the second tweet, and then come up to say, Oh guys, I jumped the gun. And then the next day, he goes to the Yankees. Heyman, what are you doing? I yeah, mean, that's that's pretty wild. 
that's one of the bigger mess ups too. I mean, it's not like, you know, it was another guy on this list, Rafael Montero signing. Like it yep. was Aaron Judge. Like that's, you know, the biggest free agent of the class. And it was known that he was going to sign somewhat in this time as well. So just in the time he did it <laughs> and with the player that he did it with, that's that's pretty inexcusable. That's that's tough, John. Not yeah, great. I mean, luckily it's like a very small time, but like legit, it's like legit only a couple of minutes before he corrected it. But this could have had a major impact on other free agency because they're looking to where too. Agents are checking Twitter too. They're like, oh, Judge is signed with the Giants. This could impact where I go now. So exactly. So it, it could have had a huge role by getting out this false information. The Giants did have a very small consolation prize. They actually did this move, hoping they can get Judge with the two because he would have had and they're signing Mitch Haniger for a little bit of money. He's, he's a little bit older, but still had a pretty good year. Yeah, uh, it's a solid signing, in my opinion. Yeah, had with thirty, had uh, eleven home runs, thirty-four RBIs. Joined Jock Peterson. Uh, they're trying to get an outfit of all Bay Area guys because both. Uh, because both Jock and uh and, and Mitch are Barry natives, and then Judge is a Northern California native, so they're trying to get an all kind of Northern California outfield going. But obviously, Judge went back to the Yankees. I think that's where he initially wanted to go. Come from what I can see, the reporting was it sounded like the Yankees still kind of lowballed him a little bit, offering the original three hundred and twenty million dollars. Giants offered three sixty. He called the Yankees up, saying, "Hey, can you give me three sixty? You're like, "Sure." So that obviously did it. Kind of thing afterwards, we heard like reports that the Padres offered like four yeah. million dollars which is wild yeah the Padres <laughs> I'm telling you right now one or multiple of the other remaining big free agents are going to be in a Padres uniform because if they're offering judge 400 million dollars I mean he turned down 40 million extra dollars to go back to New York instead of go to San Diego yeah that's nuts yeah. I mean you look at some of these guys that are left like Dansby Swanson and Carlos Correa and you're thinking like Dang, I think the Padres could offer these guys a pretty penny too, and maybe even both of them. They they could give Dansby like two hundred mil, and then even you know, yeah, Correa maybe even like a short term deal like the Twins did, or you know maybe give him, I don't know, three hundred. That that'd be crazy. Yeah, definitely. We can kind of go into now like who's next year looking for greens. There's a lot of good shortstops left here. We still have Correa. Yeah. We still got Swansea. Still have Xander Bogarts. Interesting where yep. he's going to go. Uh, some reports saying he's back to Boston, but if you're actually spending money like this, it could be Padre. Kind of interesting. Like the Padres kind of seem like yeah. they already have their shot favorite to Tatis, but Tatis can slide the outfield. He can play short That's what I was saying earlier yep. today. Tatis can definitely slide to the outfield. So they're definitely not out on a shortstop. A couple guys that we are going to just mention that, you know, make an impact, but aren't as big. Uh, Wilson Contreras did sign with Cardinals on a pretty nice deal. I think that really helps the Cardinals. They already have a pretty lethal lineup. You add Wilson Contreras, who is a pretty good uh, hitter to that. And, you know, you've got some, some nice pop in there. And then as well as Josh Bell, uh, he signed with the Guardians. So, I mean, we look at the Guardians last year. They needed that middle of the order kind of thumper bat. Uh, like Josh Bell, and he's going to kind of provide that this year for not too bad of a contract. Yeah, definitely here. I really like what the Cardinals did. Obviously, you know, you know, look, look at a guy like Molina, who was basically there for almost, you know, but a decade and a half kind of carrying that team. And now you're bringing another quality catcher in. They're definitely a team that can definitely go out there and uh, go in the central. And then other news today, the Red Sox did sign the first Japanese player um, over today. He was posted um, from the Nippon Professional League. Uh, his name, what's his name? It is uh, Yoshida. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yoshida. Uh, he 
if I recall, he did lead the Nippon Professional League in OBP last year. He's a nice contact guy. A little curious, though, because I've heard that he is not the quickest and is not the best defender. So, yeah, you are getting a guy that's, you know, going to hit for a high average and be on base a lot. I mean, do you stick him in left field in Fenway and just kind of, you know, live with that? And I mean, you don't have J.D. Martinez, right? J.D. Martinez yep. is gone, so you don't have him anywhere. You could maybe DH him a bit and throw him at the top of your lineup. That, that that's what I was thinking there. Uh, just looking at his stats, he's a guy who's 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 led the uh, who's led a Nippon professional baseball twice as a batting leader. So he's got he's gonna get on base. He does not strike out a lot, which is a rarity now for MLB stars. So guy who gets on base doesn't strike out. He, he is a kind of thing. Is like he's like five eight. He's like a smaller guy. So I would not be surprised if they but they put him at DH, they lead him off in that lineup, and maybe they go out try to get Bogarts again. And they got Bogarts, Devers, him like a what a good that's a good that's a that's a quality one two three right there yeah. for your lineup. So definitely. So uh, been seeing with there. There's actually is another Japanese pitcher out there. Uh, people are looking at so been seeing seeing where he signs to. So just a couple other players trying to come over overseas here. And interesting, uh, part of their contract, the uh, they'll have to pay a fifteen million dollar uh, posting fee to the Buffaloes to sign him. So I think in total, it's going to be like, forget the, t- forget the total year, but it can add, and I had an extra $15 million on top of that contract that they have to pay the original team. Yeah. So it's going to be like five years, a hundred million ish. And, yes. and the guy's 29 too. I feel like that's yep. a good amount of money to give to a 29 year old, you know, that's, yep. I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems like a pretty one dimensional player, you know, like he's going to hit for you. He's going to get on base, but I, I feel like that's a lot of money to a 29 year old um, and a pretty long term as well. But you never know. I mean, it definitely could work out. A lot of these Japanese guys, uh, you know, like eat your own stuff, find a way to just, you know, produce and produce into their, their late age. So we'll, we'll see how it works out for him. Uh, one more footnote here before we kind of wrap this episode up. Uh, another big free agent signing that actually happened very early in the offseason was that Anthony Rizzo did also resign with the Yankees. So the Yankees are kind of bringing that band back. Uh, Rizzo, Judge, Stanton, that's going to be the middle of the lineup. Um, looking forward as well, Andrew Benatendi is going to be a big one. He's a very high average and uh, kind of stolen base guy. So we're going to see who he signs with. I know he has interest from the Yankees and uh, some other teams here. Uh, and we will obviously keep you updated on any of these signings into future episodes. Uh, Nick, do you have any final thoughts before we kind of close it out here? Uh, nothing here. I mean, I said kind of seeing up. I just really love that free agency did get started early. I know the past couple of years, free agency got started really late. Like the winter meetings always used to be the spot where deals would happen. So people would talk about baseball kind of early on before the last couple of years. We obviously last year we had the lockout. So free agency couldn't even started, but some of the big stars weren't even starting until after after the new year, like till March. But it's just good. It feels like a very much like back it was and like I have to go all the way back in my mind to like 20, 2017 when Giancarlo and Otani were coming over. Those guys both signed during the winter meeting. So yeah. it has we were been, there. We were there. We, we were, were there. We were there. We were there for that one. I remember walking around the uh yeah, yeah. Swan or whatever. Swan and Dolphin. Swan yeah. and Dolphin and yeah. uh hearing all the Stanton rumors and you know, finally about when I when I left to go back to school at uh, Tampa, he that trade happened and everybody was kind of shocked. That that was a really cool experience. Yeah, deadly. So it, it's just good to get back here where deals are happening early. Most players are moving. It is better for players. It is better for baseball. Markets are set. Players know what, they, what type of money they can get. We got big stars that judge moving early in the offseason. It is able to set the market and is getting is able to get players paid, which is which is a great sign here for the sport of baseball. I, I definitely agree with that. And and right before we close it out here, final thoughts for me. 
uh, we did kind of miss this uh, who's next free agent list. Uh, we talked a lot about Swanson, Bogarts, uh, Correa, uh, just some other, and Benatendi, some other guys on this uh, list. Carlos Radon, he's the next top starter after DeGrom and Verlander have gone off. Uh, a lot of buzz with him going to New York uh, and even Texas and some of these other pitcher needy teams. He, he Most teams are in on him in general because you can never have too many starting pitchers. A few lefties. Exactly. So, and Radone was dominant with the Giants. Yep. So he's definitely getting a lot of attention. And then um, some other minor names here, Drury, who had a really good year for San Diego last year, um, as well as you guys like Chris Bassett and uh, Profar. Uh, and then some other kind of minor guys that will will latch on with as long as, as well as Brandon Nimmo. Yeah. Uh, I think he's one of the next best outfielders out there too. And I think uh, the Yankees are rumored in on a lot of these guys. So we'll, we'll see how always. this all plays out. Always. They, they always are. It drives the price up, you know, it's good <laughs> for business. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Nick, uh, let's, let's end off this episode and send our few listeners out with, with a nice uh, yogiism here. Thank you. Yep. Well guys, appreciate you coming back to us. I know it's been a while, but uh, good news. I can actually guarantee you, you'll expect a new episode three bagger podcast Roger this one coming up in the next couple of days too. So uh, you will hear all our thoughts, both on everything going on the field and things going off the field. So stay tuned to that episode coming up after this one, after this one's released in a couple of days. So um, as you guys know, we got the, we got the uh, red bubble stir up. If you're looking for some holiday gifts, you can never go wrong with an Ebor city electric chicken shirt. So that's what everyone wants for Christmas. Head over to red bubble, pick one up, whoever you get one for, they will be impressed. So with that, never answer an anonymous letter. Thanks for listening, guys.